This is Geek Gap, your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back, Geek Gap, for Saturday, May 6th, 2023. It's still 23, right? Sure is, but it's already May. Oh, it's going to be one of those Saturdays. <laughs> are there are the technical well, listen, difficulties found within you today? I don't think so, but maybe it's possible. But uh, yeah, it's it's actually been mostly no, no. I've had a lot of. No, I want to move on. I want to be positive. I don't want to discuss this anymore. Positive. I I uh I resolved my technical issues from last week. I've got an ad hoc setup where I can get some proper network connections. Uh, so I hope I'm coming through okay uh, for everybody out there. Uh, let's see. How was your week? How was my week? My week was great. Uh, I've got. Uh, wedding plannings in the background uh, just sort of the preliminaries since it's months away but uh that's that's always fun and exciting and stressful uh i want to talk about uh some movies uh, I, I, uh, I, I, I i needed to ask you a question and this is an important question that i actually really need an answer to sure what are your colors Oh, I think we're doing uh, fall colors like a uh, uh, reddish brown, and uh, I don't know. You'd have to, I, I'm not in charge of the colors on this. So, so you have no idea. Okay. Oh, so I have a I have a vague is... idea. I, I have a picture in my mind. I I suppose I could post a picture. Uh, on my screen for for everybody live, but having a vague idea means you have no idea. Trust me, I, <laughs> I have many sisters, and 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 more importantly, I have many sisters who watch like getting married and bride shows. And and if you don't know the exact type of colors, down to like weird color names, and you have no idea. That's true. I, I, I don't have to, I don't have the words for it. I've I've been shown a picture need, a couple of times. I need to show up in a tie which has exact colors on it. So this is this is important. And uh, and if I don't have the exact color names, then then it is it is going to be a major faux pas. Uh, so. Uh, yes, the educated people in the audience, that means, I believe, false step. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, that would be good. Sure. I could be that, right. would, that, that would be a mistake. It could be so egregious, in fact, that uh, maybe I'll just stock a few ties in that color so I can uh, <clears throat> correct guests who think that they can wear any old so. thing. It is unfortunate, but that's how the world, how the world turns. I know, I know, some couple had like black and red as their color. 
<laughs> yeah, yep. I can think of a, a politically incorrect thing or two to wear to that function. I'm just like, I, as soon as I heard that, I was just thinking, are you playing death metal? Or do you have a death metal version of, of uh, oh, no, I can't even remember the name of it, the march, or the song they always play when they walk down. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm just, oh, black and red. <laughs> no. So. I mean, I don't have a lot of opinions on on marriage colors and stuff, but black and red is just uh, that. That's one of them. That crosses even my line of absolute, you know, uh, absolute, completely ignoring fashion. Well, if you're going to talk movies, we got to bring in our uh, our guest today. So he can discuss movies with us as well. Yeah, he, he's well. I mean, welcome back to the show, David West. I, I don't. Hey, know if thanks still, for having me, guys. I know that you're finishing something real up real quick at the start of the show, uh, but yeah, uh, good to have you on. Sure. I mean, uh, my movies lately have been a little more limited, but I'm down for anything. All right, I, I have a question for you because I think DW and I have talked about this in the past. Um, if not at length, what's your opinion on Nicolas Cage? Is is he a good actor or, or one of your favorites, or is he the best actor? I wouldn't say favorite, but I would definitely say I like him, and he's done a lot of movies that I've enjoyed, uh, but he's done so many movies that I still haven't even bothered to see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I only just barely sat down last week to watch. Uh, I am tripping over the title, the one where he's kind of playing himself. Yes, uh, same here. The uh, unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah, I only just watched that last week. Uh, me too. That's the one I wanted to talk about. What'd you think? It was interesting. I mean, they they fictionalized a little bit, but it was still fun in the the playing the what if you know, he was doing himself and crazy adventures. I, I enjoy that kind of story. <laughs> you saw that one, right? Warpig. I, I, we talked I believe about it. I reviewed it on the show. Yeah. I, I vaguely yeah, remember it that. Was a, it came out a while ago. Uh, yeah. Uh, I saw it. I saw it last week too. Uh, it's so much fun. Like he's playing a fictionalized version of himself where he gets caught up in some what he thinks is some acting gig or or he's humoring he's humoring someone's script idea and it turns into this you know, this action movie where he's running from international crime lords and stuff. Uh it it hits all the beats you might expect, but uh it's a lot of I thought it was a lot of fun to watch and Nicolas Cage very self uh, self aware in the Nicolas Cage isms. Yeah, and it it had part of the the Hollywood thing that I've noticed lately, especially that they enjoy doing little inside gags about making movies in Hollywood. Oh yeah, what was your favorite? It was just funny to me and kind of a weird synchronicity that he kept talking about the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And then Amazon Prime keeps suggesting that to me. 
this week. <laughs> I've watched it years ago, but I'm telling my kids about it. I'm like, oh, that's a real movie. I don't think you'd enjoy it, but <laughs> I'd never heard of it before. I I knew about it as just a film person, and I so I watched it years upon years ago, and it's it's weird. It's kind of like you know watching the old Nosferatu. Oh, that's one of my favorites. That's a that's a perennial on the Halloween watch list. Okay, if you like that, then you might like Dr. Caligari if you can get into, you know, silent movies. Okay. Okay, because the thing about Nosferatu is is that you you do you you have to strip away some of your expectations for what uh, you know, a horror movie should be, not just the silence, but um you know, you have to accept the limitations of the effects. And then when you do that, then you see what amazing things they did with their, you know, limited uh, tech, for lack of a better word, their limited technology uh, back then in Osferatu. You know, that is some creepy, creepy stuff that happens in that film. Oh, yeah. And all right. Now, so because we're on Nosferatu, I got to shift it again. If you like Nosferatu, then tell me you've seen Shadow of the Vampire. I... I don't think I have, no. Oh, man. If you like Nosferatu, you have to see Shadow of the Vampire. Because <laughs> that's that one's only like, you know, I don't know, 20 years old. But it's uh, John Malkovich is F.W. Murnau. And he hires, he goes out and finds a real vampire, Max Shrek, played by Willem Dafoe, as a real vampire that he casts to play the vampire. Oh, oh okay. So it's, it, it's, it's a... I get it. The twist is, is that Max Shrek really was a vampire. Yeah, and it's it's done so well, and it's got a little bit of dark humor in it that he really hired a real vampire to play the vampire in Nosferatu. Oh, I have to see this. Absolutely. And it's, it's got a great cast. Carrie Elways is in it. Udo Kier. Um, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe is the vampire. is so good. It's so great. Oh, that's awesome. Um, uh, which which also uh, reminds me of uh, the uh, streaming service. I forget which one has it. Uh, reminded me that Rob Zombie did a Monsters movie, um, and I didn't last fifty minutes. Is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I heard but, it was terrible. <laughs> uh, it's it's not even a movie. Uh, it's 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 worse. It's written worse and plotted worse than like a. It's like a television pilot. That's how bad it is. Like a television pilot made by first year students. Um, What's the name of the movie? The Munsters. The it's sort of a you know the, from the old TV show. It's not it's Netflix or reboot or. Yeah, it's like a. I don't know. I don't know if reboot is the right word, right? I mean, when was the last time they made a Munsters movie or show? Um. Uh, absolutely dreadful. Do not recommend. But, uh, you know, at the beginning of the film, um, you know, one of the characters is playing Nosferatu. You know, he's got the he's got the same makeup and the getup. And uh, I'll give it this. The makeup and the costume for Nosferatu, as well as the mannerisms, the actor absolutely nailed it. Uh, so if you already have Netflix, you can watch the first 10 minutes of Cringe. Uh, but you can, or, or just, or just watch the preview that that they roll when you're just hovering over the film. The they actor does a really grandpa? good job. 
made Grandpa from the Munsters into a Nosferatu? No. He's a different character. Oh. Like a neighbor visiting or something? Okay. Something like... Oh, it's 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 worse than that. But uh, I, I dare not spoil it because you must watch the preview. I didn't uh, hear about this. I've heard nothing about this. Well, I um, heard that it was terrible. <laughs> I mean, Rob Zombie's got a pretty great track record of making terrible, terrible films. Um, well, as far as an unbearable weight and massive talent, I give that a thumbs up. I enjoyed watching it, which I was surprised. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I kind of was going in thinking this will be very good or very dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I, I thought it was really uh, fun. I liked it. Uh, uh, though let's let's hit the intersection of Nosferatu and the unbearable weight of massive talent. Um, I subjected myself to Renfield last night. Uh, oh, I almost watched that this week. I was, I was <laughs> curious about that one. <laughs> Let me tell you what. Uh, absolutely fine for a Friday night popcorn flick. So Renfield is about the you know the the nut job familiar who eats bugs right in those yeah. the guy in the the guy in the insane asylum only this time he's the protagonist uh, where he's trying to break out of his uh, abusive relationship with his narcissistic master um well there are no surprises if you've seen the trailer uh it's it's going to hit all the beats and the jokes that you might expect and yes the one of the draws or probably the main draw of the film is Nicholas Cage doing pure Nicholas Cage, uh, yeah. <laughs> ha hamming hams it up as Dracula, uh, chews all the scenery, um, absolutely ridiculous delivery of some of these lines. Um, it's really fun to watch him be Dracula, and the other treat is um, Renfield has similar superhuman powers, and so they dial up the cheesy fountains of gore. Uh, 211. Uh, body parts are flying everywhere. Um, it sounds like a like a 14 or 15 year old boy wrote the fight scenes, and I mean that in a good way. Huh. So are we talking like Fist of the North Stars levels of? Oh yeah, oh yeah, like limbs flying out. You know <laughs> that you know Dracula slashes with his claws and and fountains of blood pour out onto the floor, you know, gushing out over everybody. Um, really cool. I don't have too much more to say about it because it's like, it's, you get what it says on the tin. Yeah. If you watch, if you watch the trailer or a synopsis and you're like, wow, this is freaking retarded. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think I know exactly what's going to happen in this film and, and what I'm going to watch. And you get that. And <laughs> And it's perfectly entertaining, perfectly entertaining garbage. I will have forgotten about it by the end of this show and never see it again. And that's okay. Okay. So it wasn't amazing. It was just all right for the evening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a popcorn turn off your brain sort of okay. thing. Yeah. Nicolas Cage was about the only reason I thought I'd want to see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh yeah, the I mean the script is as dumb as you you, you imagine it will be, and uh, Nicholas Cage is really fun to watch. 
and some of the action was fun to watch too um i could go into more critique than that but it's if you're expecting a monster fights john wick no Okay. So anyway, that's that's how my week is going. I, if that doesn't, if, if if that if you know, that didn't track, what I mean is, the uh, the fights themselves, like the camera work and the you know cin- cinematography, and the choreography, uh, you know the main characters are not, you know trained action stars like uh, John Wick, and the focus of the movie really isn't on the you know the monster fight scenes, even though they you know they feature in, you know a few of the big moments. Um, I don't know how, how, I don't know how else to put that. Like the, you know, the, the, the edits are very rapid, right? The camera cuts a lot. Uh, there isn't a lot of, there aren't a lot of wide shots of people doing, you know, the crazy wire foo that sort of promised by the trailer, that sort of thing. Uh Um, that's just a minor critique. Okay. Yeah, I, I had thought I wanted to see it, but I was probably going to end up waiting until it's cheaper streaming or something. That would be my recommendation. Um, that's that's my week. What's new, D-Dubs? Um, I'm sorry. You caught me thinking. <laughs> uh, and I don't want to pick this up and roll with it, but uh, I was thinking when I woke up that uh, the uh everything bagel movie everything everywhere all at once was giving me massive mixed feelings when i watched it and i had a bunch of stuff to make it seem like a good movie but it's not actually a good movie and everybody loves it and i thought i liked it a lot but i realized this morning when i woke up I'd finally been able to sort through my mixed feelings. I realized it isn't actually a good movie. It's got a <laughs> good stuff in there, and you seem to think it's a good movie, and it kind of sort of gives you an emotional catharsis. So it tricks your emotions into thinking it's a good movie, but it really isn't. And... Uh, so can you square that circle for me i mean if if a film is telling a story and and that story evokes emotions presumably they're the emotions that they intended to evoke uh, isn't that a successful movie so what's what's the difference between it evoking those emotions and being a good movie. The movie 
the story of the movie undermines its own premise. The catharsis of the movie is about a mother and daughter reconciling. The stakes of the movie are about saving the universe. So either they've tricked you into watching a two-hour movie where the stakes don't matter because it's, you know, what the movie is quote-unquote really about is this daughter and mom really coming together and saving their family and coming together with the dad and realizing they actually love each other and everything's cool, right? But the daughter is the villain of the movie and she's been murdering people left and right and destroying worlds and trying to destroy the entire universe, literally murdering people on screen and then mind controlling other people and have them murder people on screen. She literally murdered her own mother. So either the stakes in the end of the movie, the emotional catharsis about her and her mom getting back together and everything's a-okay. So either the stakes don't matter because none of those murders matter and they've tricked you into caring about the end of the universe for two hours when none of that mattered because you're really supposed to care about the daughter and mom you know, getting over some silly childhood, childhood, teenage angst drama. Or the catharsis of the movie is small and silly because it's the universe being destroyed that actually truly mattered. And they never wrote an ending that follows through on that. See, the ending of Return of the Jedi at least followed through on the family drama. Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader's family drama came to an end, and it mattered because he stopped the Emperor from killing Luke, and he died, and he had a small moment of redemption, but his... You know, all that stuff mattered. Emperor dying mattered. Whereas all of this other stuff didn't matter. So the movie, the reason why you have two different Uh, two different on, and they never gel, they don't mesh with each other, so it's a bad movie. It has sort of stuff in it. it's fun that's uh. Uh, that they kind of trick you into thinking that 
the ending matters, but either one of two things mattered. The reason why they got you into it didn't matter, or the actual emotional catharsis that they ended it with didn't matter. That's sort of what I realized this morning when I woke up. Bait and switch. Yeah. It sounds like the uh, the writer's reach exceeded their grasp. <laughs> so it's really a chick flick that they tried to, and, and I don't say that necessarily super disparagingly. Um, you know, it's all about emotions and... Uh, uh, moms and daughters reconciling after uh, getting in fights and uh, you know the grandfather disapproves of her and it's a family drama which is great potential it's got great dramatic potential but they've stuck all of this other stuff around it that's universe ending and this the family drama has to be integrated into this other stuff in such a way that the culmination of the family drama matters and this other stuff matters you can't just hand wave that away and wallpapering it over with a bunch of really cool fight scenes doesn't quite work. That's why I had a mixed feelings about it. Why I was like, yes, it's fun to watch. But inside, I'm like, I'm not too sure about this. Why am I getting mixed feelings? Mm -hmm. It kind of mirrors what I've been hearing online is I'd, I'd heard people say that it was so wonderful and then I'd heard other people say eh, it's kind of dumb because it just contradicted itself and you're one it's, of those reviewers where I, when I hear what you say about a movie I I put some good weight behind that it sounds like and and all I only know I only know the trailer but it sounds like the you know that multiversal conflict or you know those multiversal crimes it, it sounds like they resolved the the thread with between the mother and the daughter but the daughter who's the villain who's done all these horrible things it sounds like there's no authority or 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 there's no way for her to actually atone for those crimes the the crimes are just sort of left unmentioned at the end is that sort of the source of that that bait and switch yeah they're just kind of i don't remember there being a satisfying I mean, looking back on it now and it's been such a while since i've seen it i don't remember being there being any justice mm-hmm I mean, Darth Vader dies for his, uh, you know, for his sins. And you can say, well, that's not good enough. Well, it's not good enough. 
necessarily. But then again, he didn't. Somehow Vader atoned. Yeah. He didn't blow <laughs> up Alderaan. You know, he didn't plan or build the Death Star. He didn't. You know, there are a lot of things that Darth Vader didn't do. But at a critical moment, he turned and turned against the Emperor and killed the Emperor. And in the extended universe, uh, they make it kind of bigger. In the original extended universe, before the uh, Disney, you know, crapification. Um, And then he died. He gave his life to try and undo what he did. That's a significant thing. Yeah. That's not, and I'm not saying that's enough. I'm not saying that, you know, absolves him of everything. But he at least did something to turn against it. Uh, and he, he, Turned against it, and he suffered great pain and death. And, and there maybe, were no there were no consequences for the villain and everything. Is that what you're saying? Not that I can remember. No. Mm. And I'm I'm sure people can correct me on this, and I'll you know, uh, because the end of the movie is is the mother and the daughter being reconciled. So, yeah, she doesn't give her life to atone for all the murders and destruction she's committed. Hmm. That does sound like a bad story. That kind of makes uh, me think of another Hong Kong by way of Hollywood movie of Jet Li's, The One. Do you remember that one that was a multiverse movie? I yeah. have. At least that one had justice in the end <laughs> that that one that one needed to be better uh i i remember enjoying the movie and i rewatched it recently actually uh and uh it was not as <laughs> i only saw it in the theaters once i never watched it again uh yeah very The, the the cool thing about the story or the cool thing about the film was the the different philosophies that the two Jet Lees brought to life and that sort of set up the necessary conflict later. Um, everything else about the movie was really dumb. But, yeah, but you're I, right. I'm not a big it, fan of multiverse concepts, so I'm, I'm intrigued and it's like, eh, it sounds like that one's not going to get it right either then. Uh, the the one thing it did get right, like you said, but you're right about the um, you're right about the consequences. You know, in the end, the the uh, the Jet Lees are sort of quarantined. You know, the 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 dark evil Jet Li is you know king of the hill in a prison dimension, right? Uh, you know, there are, there are consequences for his actions. Like they they start the movie off with there's some sort of multiversal authorities that are going to do something about it. Right. And that's sort of something. And to Warpix example of 
Star Wars, right? That the uh, like the atonement comes, but Vader still pays, right? He, there's still there's still justice. And yeah. Like, the, the, there needs to be justice, and and I'm not surprised that, based on what you described, I'm not surprised that everything everywhere um, didn't satisfy that, didn't satisfy anyone's sense of justice. So, yeah, literally one of the first things I thought about this morning as I woke up, and I have no idea why, but that just came to me. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there. Um, So, and and the other thing about it, too, is, uh, and that's going to connect with uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about. they kind of undercut a lot of the dramatic moments with humor. I mean, they, they're symbol of the entire universe, like the entire multiverse was this everything bagel, literally a bagel. Hmm. Uh, with everything on it, poppy seeds and sesame seeds and, Whatever you put on everything bagel. My knowledge of what you put on top of a bagel begins with plain, travels through sesame seeds, and ends in poppy seeds. Now, I am aware that there are other things you can put on a bagel and bake on them. I know there are those things that are kind of, they're good, I like them, but I don't eat them on bagels. They're, they're little like oblong, sort of oval, but pointed at one end. They're, uh, they're, they're sunflower seeds. You put sunflower seeds on bagels, people do and bake them. Uh, but I don't know what else you put on an everything bagel. But using that as a metaphor for the entire universe, the multiverse, seems to me to be kind of silly. And undercut the seriousness of the subject. And people these days keep on saying, oh, that's a Marvel thing. That's a Marvel thing. It's not really a Marvel thing. Because Marvel got it from Joss Whedon. And what it really is, it's a Buffy the Vampire Slayer thing. Now, I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It was a great and fun show. But, and I still do. I don't care who knows it. And if you don't like it, duh. But the attitude of Buffy the Vampire Slayer where you purposely undermine any 
epic or great threat. With humor or sass is not appropriate for every movie or show. And the current generation of coastal screenwriters, it, it, it's just institutionalized smartassery. <laughs> if you understand what I'm saying, it's being a smartass. It, it kind of got to the point when I started hearing people talk about their book's main protagonist, if their first adjective is snarky, I've been like, I'm not going to read that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, when you look at, like, the Marvel movies, you can do that sort of thing well, or you can do it poorly. The first Avengers movie was great. It was a phenomenally well-done movie. And I will still hold to this. Even though several of the movies leading up to it were, as individual movies, kind of weak. First Iron Man had a lot of weaknesses because they were doing a lot of improv and then tried to do a movie together out of all that improv footage. It was rough. Um... And then, you know, Captain America, the first Avenger, that whole middle section where they were fighting Hydra was just kind of like the plot, a lot of bad stuff. Thor uh, was really good, but it was rushed. The story was rushed. He didn't really have time to develop what he was supposed to develop as a character. Um, Iron Man 2 was awful, just awful. I don't even remember if there were any other movies before the Avengers. Hulk. Oh, Hulk. Well, that was terrible. That was a disaster. They let Edward Norton take over that movie, and it was just uh, eye-wateringly bad. Although his sort of love interest in Brazil was just so beautiful. I can't even tell you. Um. And then we got to the Avengers, and the Avengers was almost perfect. It was just a phenomenal movie, uh, top to bottom, left to right. And it thrived on that uh, that uh, Buffy-esque sort of humor undermining a lot of things, but that's because Joss Whedon knew when to let epic moments hang around. And there's an epic moment where the old man stands up to Loki and says, there are always men like you, so on and so forth. Great moment. Sends chills down your spine. There's a epic moment where um, Captain America turns around and says, uh, I only know one God, ma'am, and he doesn't dress like that. 
great moment. Perfectly encapsulates the character of Captain America, and they never got it better in any movie after that. Um, and he jumps out of the plane. You know, he let that snarkiness, that smart arsery go long enough in certain moments to kind of alleviate it. Could it have done with more? Yes. Undermining epic moments, undermining the uh, momentous moments of grandeur and awe is just something that is a modern thing. And you can tell why it's important and great, not for every movie. You don't need that in every movie. For example, you know, Beverly Hills Cop, right? Didn't need that all the time. You need a couple moments of it, but you didn't need that all the time. Sorry, all I remember is the banana and the tailpipe. It has been um, a minute. But you want where it worked to not have that hardly at all, where even the humor was not that snarky, smartassery humor, right? The Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, epic, grand, great, moving, awe-inspiring. So where you have movies that the natural bent, and this is something writers have to learn, you have to steer into the natural bent of the material, and this modern generation of writers just wants to be snarky and smart asses all the time. And that's just dumb. And it wrecks the material. And I kind of think it's because they hate the material they're writing. They hate that they're writing fantasy movies. They hate that they're writing science fiction movies. They hate that they're writing you know, reboots of He-Man. That's not a hypothetical. They hate that they're writing The Witcher. Not a hypothetical. Um, and so they just want to ruin it with all this snarky stuff because they mock the original material. Epic and grand writing is like a beautiful piece of architecture, a beautiful piece of music, or a beautiful sculpture or painting. Beauty, grand beauty, evokes awe, which quiets the soul. It connects us with the infinite and the divine. It is a near spiritual experience. And that experience is the exact opposite of the daily experience of a lot of writers. And they must despoil it and avoid it whenever possible because it is anathema to their uh, 
desires. It is anathema to everything they stand for. And they don't want to have it around in their work. So they go for snarkiness and they go for this sort of humor that immediately undermines it. You can't have heroes be heroic. You have to mock them as soon as they appear. And if you've seen Firefly or Serenity, you know what I mean. Um, uh, or Guardians of the Galaxy. You can't have uh, Star-Lord be a great and inspiring hero. He has to be made fun of. Um, and so you're going to ask, well, where is this going? Why are you on this rant? And, and that's going to take me directly to my subject for today's episode, which is review of Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Um, and you may, if you are good at pattern recognition, if you are good at pattern recognition, you may connect the previous rant with my review and begin thinking to yourself, huh, I wonder, you may say to yourself, is there any reason that this rant appeared right before this review, you may say? <laughs> so, I being one of those unusually intelligent and attractive members of the audience of Geek Gab, could it possibly be that... Dungeons and Dragons Honors Among Thieves is a movie shot through with moments of levity designed precisely to undermine any moments of dread or awe or terror or whatever. And I would say unto you that you have hit the nail on the head. And I applaud your perspicacity at thinking ahead of me. You have indeed intuited exactly where I was going. Thank you. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, you know, quote-unquote Marvel-esque, but really Buffy-esque kind of movie where they take everything that could have been epic and kind of squander it purposefully, kind of deflate that balloon. And it's, it's disappointing because of it. Now, they didn't have the budget of Lord of the Rings. And yet they could have set up something epic. And it could have been great. So this is set in the movie, 
is set in the forgotten realms. And it begins with a couple of thieves, a female barbarian who's super muscly and a male bard who doesn't have any magical abilities. Because, you know, if you're going to call the movie Dungeons and Dragons, why stick with the system? Uh, of course, I don't know about 5th edition. I mean, bards are, in 3rd edition, bards were still like, you know, sorcerers who could play music. Um, anybody know if that's yeah. still... Uh, yeah, they're... they're that in fifth edition they're that rogue sorcerer hybrid kind of class they're okay. uh, and they're they're largely focused on support they're like i think in fifth edition the idea is that the bard is your perfect fifth party member okay well he's not that nor is he uh you know don't have any magic doesn't really do any roguely things. Does, does he play any music or sing any songs? He plays his music and sings songs occasionally, but they don't help people. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, that, that's like any of, every other bard I've experienced in the game, but go on. <laughs> oh, so you're saying that's uh, truth in I, advertising. I, I, I'm just I'm just saying that bards are banned at my tables. That's that's all I'm saying. Um so he uh and he's giving literally what he calls his backstory because he's in prison and he's trying to get out this is the first scene i'm not spoiling anything you're spoiling the first giving... scene what you're spoiling the first scene no i'm not okay. if that's the first thing when you walk you see when you walk into the movie that's not spoilers that is, that is the official policy of the show it always has been. <laughs> that's not a spoiler that's just the opening of the movie sorry um and he calls it his backstory in the movie he says i'm giving you my backstory and and it's a tragic backstory and you'd think this would be the moment for tragedy he's got a wife and kid he ticks off some red wizards of Thay, who they haven't even explained who they are. You're just supposed to know. Just supposed to know. Oh, he's a harper of the harpers of Faerun, of Forgotten Realms. Who Which they don't, they don't really bother explain. to explain. Yeah. They don't bother to explain. Not really. And I've written this in my head, and it's so simple. All you need, and I'm saying I'm perfect. If you're going to you know, listen to this, what I'm about to say and say, well, that's not perfect. How dare you? Of course it's not perfect. I'm not being paid $150,000 to write this and given two weeks in a hotel with a typewriter to make something perfect for a movie. So forget you. I started writing this, you know, like yesterday. 
you start off with a map of Faroon, the continent, and it's like those nowadays 3D uh, terrain maps, you know, that's animated. So instead of the Lord of the Ring-esque penned ink on parchment maps, it's like actual miniature terrain that you see. And it says, welcome to Faerun. This is a, you know, world of magic and monsters um, from, and you say these things because this is important to the story from the dark land of Thay, where the red wizards plot to uh, spread their evil across the world. And then you have one of those little insets that they like to do with kind of the fuzzy as edges where you show the red wizards doing evil magical things and raising the dead or, or oppressing people or, or, you know, whatever. And that comes into it because later in the movie, you meet a character who fled from Thay, who was a peasant who was oppressed by the red wizards. So you start off, bam, right there showing the red wizards oppressing people uh, to the far off frozen wastes of Neverwinter and you show the ice and cold and because Neverwinter is a city that plays into it later and you just kind of introduce a little bit of what the flame is or sorry that's uh Greyhawk what the Faroon is um just to give some hint of it opposing the evil red wizards of the Harpers an order of good and then you show a couple of pictures of characters, people who are into the Forgotten Realms know, like Elminster in his hat or Kelvin Blackstaff or whatever. You don't give names. They don't appear in the movie later. And so, you know, nobody who has, nobody who watches the movie who has, uh, who has, no idea of what the Forgotten Realms are will understand them, but people who have seen the Forgotten Realms or, or, or who played it or read about it, read the novels, will be like, oh, I recognize that. That's Elminster or whatever. You make them excited for the movie right out of the gate. Right? Very simple. Very quick. This doesn't have to be more than a few seconds. Um, so from Fae to the Moonshade Isles to the uh, Sword Coast in the North, yada, yada, yada. And that's it. And then you say, this is the Forgotten Realms. And you put up the Forgotten Realms logo. And then you need to mention first, before you do that, uh, that these civilizations are built on the ruins of, of many kingdoms which came before. So it's thematic. This is the Forgotten Realms. That's it. Gives your world an epic feel. Sets up what this is all about. So you know why. Oh, yeah. And I also thought you should mention that there are dungeons and dragons. Because the next thing you show is the title of the movie. Dungeons and Dragons. Honor Among Thieves. Okay. Very simple, very quick, tells people what the setting's about, 
tells people why the movie's called Dungeons and Dragons in case they didn't know. And it introduces the themes that are going to play into the rest of the movie. Because this movie's about Harper's and the Red Wizards of Thay. And you're going to say, but you're giving it all away right there. And I'm going to tell you in the very first scene, they tell you about the Red Wizards of Thay. They tell you about the Harpers, only they don't explain them. So they're giving it away anyway in a bad way that doesn't build tension, that doesn't explain the stakes, that doesn't make the movie any better. But Daddy Warpig, some of you may exclaim, do you really think you're a better screenwriter than all these Hollywood peoples? Yes! <laughs> well, they're all on strike now, so. Yeah. So anyways, that's my, that's what I wish they would have done better with the beginning set up this epic clash at least thematically all right but did that ruin the whole movie for you like what'd you think of the movie it did not ruin the whole movie but it is entirely emblematic of issues that undermine the rest of the movie i'm not saying this movie is terrible i'm not saying it's the worst movie i've ever seen there are a lot of fun and good things in this movie. But them not explaining the Harpers and them not explaining the Red Wizards of Thay happens again and again with very different things throughout the rest of the movie. They just kind of yada yada a lot of things. One of the terrible things is they mention clerics in kind of an offhand manner, but there are no clerics in the movie. And they never mention temples or gods or who they are, even in an offhand manner. No one ever says, oh, you know, I'm going to go make an offering to X god, Tyr, you know, uh, the god of, of warriors and barbarians or whatever. None of the characters appear to be at all religious, which in the Forgotten Realms is insane. Because the Harpers, and this is the dumbest thing. This is one of the things about the Forgotten Realms is dumb. Literally like six gods and goddesses appeared at the night and danced for hours and blessed the creation of the Harpers. And it's just a silly little story. Um, so you would expect an ex-Harper. Oh, yeah, the main character, the bard, ex-Harper. He abandoned the Harpers. So part of his struggle as a character is between doing good and being selfish, which is a universal theme. And they don't really pull it off because, well, I'm not sure the writers themselves are familiar with that kind of internal struggle <laughs> enough to depict it on the screen. Um, there's a lot in this movie you could like. Uh, A lot of it is enough entertaining to watch the climax. And, and this is where I get back to 
learn what your material requires and give your material the tone that is appropriate for it. If you've read the Myth series by Robert Asprin, and it's great, the 10 books of it are really, really good. I haven't read the ones after that that he co-wrote with Jody Lynn Nye. No objections to them. I'm not saying they're bad or I've heard bad things about it. just haven't read them. But starting with Another Fine Myth, they are lighthearted uh, parodies or... Uh, can't remember the word. They're just lighthearted, fun fantasy. They're not epic fantasy. They're not sword and sorcery. They're just uh, fun fantasy books. So you go into them expecting that. You get that from it. So they're shot through with humor. Um, so they're not big epic books. Whereas the most recent um, Dresden Files book, which is about this huge, massive invasion of, of Chicago um, and fighting to save the city from being destroyed by a magical army of ancient monsters, is big and epic. And you don't undermine that with jokes every few sentences. You let the material be what it's supposed to be. And the climax of this movie, what is actually going on when all is said and done, the movie needed to be epic. It did not need to be undermined with humor as often as they did. And it is uh, it is disappointing they chose to go that route because they should have started it epically, had some humor through it, and ended epically because that's what the material demanded. So yes, there's a lot of fun things in the movie. It's not a super terrible movie. Um, if, it's, uh, it's, you're it's, a, I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, it doesn't sound like it's a good movie at all. Based on your description. Why would anyone want oh, to watch it? Oh, because that's... That's because you you don't under you don't put me in the category that most other people put me in. Most people listening to the show put me in the Yahtzee category, which is I'm a praiser by exception. Uh -huh. if, like if Go I on. don't mention something, usually it's okay. You or to great, like all the. Uh, you know, cinematography and special effects and uh, the dialogue wasn't super clunky. You know, it's not George Lucas dialogue. Um, the performances were, for the most part, really good. Um, Hugh Grant's in it. He does a great job doing his role. He's a great little weasel con man. Um, you know, the lady they got to play... Uh, 
one of the bad guys uh, is super fun. I like the Paladin the best. Paladin does a great job. Oh, you've seen the movie? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, by all means, step in, give some comments. And okay. I I enjoyed it overall, but it you know it definitely had its flaws. My kids and I we liked it, but even my kids were like, "That was pretty good," but it only seems good in comparison to how much other crap is out right now. <laughs> because <laughs> I've been educating them enough that they still look back on old movies as best movies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we watched the the uh, 2000 Dungeons and Dragons after we got home and they're like oh man well it's a lot better than that one <laughs> I still haven't seen neither of those oh really oh yeah. okay and it's not because I've been deliberately avoiding them it's just been just life moves fast this, this one seems amazing by comparison I, I did enjoy this one, but yeah, they, they throw in the snark everywhere because that's just what they do now. And I, I wish there was some things in it where they had just had a little more practical knowledge of how people act, even in a fantasy. But, you know, I I, I overall, it's it's a good popcorn movie. So, Doranol, I, I want to say that I, I think it's still good. Not great, but good. But and better than that last Dungeons and Dragons movie. Oh yeah, by miles. <laughs> uh, it's know. better than the Eberron movie, which I still don't think I've watched. No, actually, I had to have watched it all the way through because I saw it in the theater. So I had to have watched it all the way through. Oh, it's the book I couldn't finish. I'm like, I don't remember an Eberron movie. Which one's the Eberron movie? Uh, there was a series of three books that were called Eberron. But they made it into a movie? They made the first one into a movie. I must have missed that. Yeah, there was Eberron, um, A New Hope, there was Eberron, The Empire Strikes Back, and then there was Eberron, The Return of the Jedi. Those were the three books. Okay. <laughs> like, what? Sorry. That literally the books were were all. And I don't. I'm not saying he did this on purpose, but they were all exactly like the three original Star Wars movies. Oh, okay, so he's like, I'm going to follow this formula. Exactly. I don't know that he. I don't know that he did it on purpose because he was a teenager when he wrote the books, but. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I have so, not yes. they made a movie for any of that. Yeah, they made the movie out of the first one. It did not have a really big budget, and it did not do well in the theaters, and they never made the other two. It was right after Lord of the Rings, and so studios were commissioning fantasy movies. Wait, are you talking about Aragon? Oh, Aragon. Sorry, my bad. Eberron. Sorry, my bad. I thought you were talking about Eberron, that... The D and D setting, no. That's, that's what I was picturing too. I was, okay, I was scrambling yeah, I, on IMDb seen, trying to find Aragon. out what I've you're talking Aragon. about. Sorry, that's my mistake. I just made a mistake <laughs> with the name. Totally my fault. My apologies to the audience. I was just like, how did I miss that? 
That was that was uh, my mistake. So, yes, Aragon. I meant Aragon. Uh, the uh, yeah, Honor Among Thieves is much better than the Aragon movie. Yeah, yeah, I for sure agree with that. So, yeah, they they did have some good good performances. I'm not saying it's a bad movie or a terrible movie. Um. I'm just saying the material demanded an epic treatment and they didn't give it. Yeah, and I would have liked Underdark to be more dangerous. Oh, they went into the Underdark. Yeah, would have been nice if it was more dangerous than what it was. I mean, I um there are some cameos of characters you may recognize. And this is the weird thing. I thought there's an extended sequence of cameos of characters you may recognize, but they don't have characters from the Forgotten Realms that make cameos. I just thought that was weird. I I read after I saw the movie that there was one that you've already mentioned, and I'm like, I didn't see him. And then I read a little bit farther on, I'm like, oh, that was him? Because that's not how he's been canonically uh, portrayed, so I didn't think that was him. Great. Um, I'm trying not to do spoilers for people, but... Um, yeah, they have a paladin show up, and he acts kind of... This is the same. This is the same world where there's no mention of any gods or clerics, yeah. right? And I kind of forgot that with the druid tiefling. But they don't explain what druids mean in. No, they. Just... they I know what I know what they mean in uh, in the game. And that's they turn into bears and kill people. Isn't that what the isn't that what she did in the movie? Yeah, I had a question about that. She turns into an owl bear. I didn't know that that they're was not supposed to do that. <laughs> that's yeah. that is they, they are definitely bending the rules there. Yeah. And the writers just called rule of cool to allow them to do that. I it's a good call, honestly. If you're if you're Actually, gonna rule if you're gonna rule of cool uh Druid shapeshift for your uh, D and D movie. I think Owlbear is the way to go. Yeah, I didn't have a real problem with that myself. It's so she this this uh, this Druid shapeshifts into a lot of different things, and I found myself wondering if that was within the rules. When you find yourself wondering if it fits within the rules, the movie kind of has kind of lost you a little bit, but she does a lot of cool things with it. Yeah, that, that was a fun sequence. Um, oh yeah, that was a great chase scene where the druid's trying to race away from the bad guys and yeah. she's shape-shifting into a lot of different monsters in order to get away. There are some really cool things in the movie. 
Um, yeah, that's why I wanted to, you know, specify to Doran all that, that that it is better than uh, his initial reaction to what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, because I I avoided I would have seen it in the theaters by now. I just, you know, after watching the trailer, like the nothing inspired me about the cast or the costumes or anything like that, or even the awkwardly computer animated owl bear. I, I every time I saw a trailer, watching some other film, I was like, yeah, I think I'll skip this one. So I'm glad to hear it's it, you don't have to skip it. I I would definitely recommend catching it on streaming. Sure. Yep. Okay. That's that's my review. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're gonna get a sequel, <laughs> but it was all right. Oh, uh, hey guys, we're uh, we're over time now. So uh, one last thing I want to ask: Warpick, do you still want to talk about the third season of The Mandalorian, or do we want to save that for another day? All right. Or not ever. I'm okay with not ever. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I really don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, well, uh, we should wrap up then. Uh, uh, David West, uh, awesome to have you back. Good to just chew the fat. Uh, anything you want to say, plug, website, or anything uh, people should check out uh, so uh, they can hear more? I'm, I'm a regular on Twitter, I guess. That's David J. or David underscore J West Twitter is probably where I'm the most active. I'm excited. I just finished uh, writing a novel with Dave Butler that I'm excited that will probably push towards Bane books and maybe it'll be out next year. That'll be a lot of fun. That's the first co-written book I've done. So I'm excited for that. I just, we got to edit it now, but it's done. So that was cool. Oh, that's and great. Just, uh, I'm out there, so thanks for having me on. Cool. Uh, and was... you, you just finished a trilogy in, just a few months ago. A what? Uh, Cowboys and Cthulhu Book Three. Oh yeah, I released that just in time for Fan X this last year. That one was more of a collection of short stories. Had some new ones. Had some previously published. Because I, you know, one of the stories was in Pulp Rock that came out early last year, and a few other spots. And yeah, I'm I'm getting to work on the next one in the volume, hoping to get it out soon enough. And still plugging along. I I had quite a dry spell for the last year, but I'm I'm back at it now, thanks to having some accountability writing with Dave Butler. So that that's kind of what I needed to get back on track was accountability to a friend. <laughs> Oh, that's great to hear. I uh, love to hear more of your stuff. Uh, we'll we'll yeah. talk more when you wanna when you wanna come back on and shill and show off. I appreciate that. Cool. Um, as for me, I hope everybody enjoyed uh, chatting about the stuff we love to talk about. We love talking about Dungeons and Dragons, even when we're talking about movies and not the game itself. Uh, really good times. Uh, I hope everybody who catches this later uh, appreciates our reviews. Maybe uh, maybe your opinions match up with ours. Maybe they don't. Uh, and always, I'd like to thank uh, my inimitable co-host, Daddy Warpig. Uh, thanks for the show. And I'll be signing off for this week. Take it away. All right, folks. This has been Geek Gab for Saturday, May 6, 2022. 
You can find us on youtube.com slash geekgab. Once again, it's youtube.com slash geekgab. You can listen to us live, uh, and we thank everybody who showed up and participated in the chat, or you can listen to us later. Um, we should be archived here along with the uh, awesome members of our chat. Or, and uh, we have done this for your benefit, because that's the kind of awesome people we are here on the show. You can listen to us on SoundCloud.com, on the Google Play Store, or on the Apple iTunes Store. Just do a search for Geek Gab. You can download us to the device of your choice, listen to us on the web, uh, or save it to your computer. We are signing out for today, folks. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.